constant through all the years, Ray. It's been beyond the game. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Oh, I hurt that so much. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That's the dumbest thing I could think of. You guys are so young and stupid. No idea who you're talking about. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. That is a career ender. Just like this show. Please clap. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Game. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta, and you on this Saturday morning in February, this last Saturday morning in February. And also sitting in this week is the unreasonable one. Darren Metzger is here. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can call them at 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions. Fearing nothing but God. Check out our website, btgprogram.com. And we'd love to have you follow us on Twitter, at btgprogram. And if you have something to say, now you can even leave us a message on our studio line, 585-431-1202. And who knows, maybe it'll make its way onto the air. Several networks and their talking heads this past week were talking about Tim Tebow yet again. They were talking about a poll that revealed that Tebow was the fifth most popular NFL quarterback in America. This despite the fact that Tebow is not an NFL quarterback and hasn't (laughs) taken a regular season snap in over three years. Tebow even finished ahead of Russell Wilson in this poll. What? Now, how is this even the only quarterbacks on the list that were more popular than Tebow, according to the poll, are Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Cam Newton. I think maybe this has to do with the fact that it came out right around the time that he does his his prom for handicapped children that Tebow does. I think he's been in the news for that, and I think maybe that helped him, but it, he should not be on that list like at all. Well, that's where I was getting at. Why is he even included on that list? The company who conducted the poll said they use his name because he's such a lightning rod. They added that he was, after all, on the Eagles' preseason roster last season. But maybe I'm a big jerk. Maybe I'm a bit of a cynic. But I get the sense that the real reason they used his name is because they anticipated he would poll pretty highly. And they knew that would get their name out there as a result of the poll. Smart marketing. Tied to it. Calculated business decision. Mm -hmm. Tebow received 10% also, though. 10% 10% of the vote in the least favorite quarterback category. Uh, I could see that, too. Only Tom Brady, who's apparently disliked Everyone by almost him. 30%. 30% of America. <laughs> Only Tom Brady had a higher dislike total than Tebow. So he's obviously polarizing. He's on mm-hmm. each side of the scale. Ben Roethlisberger and Newton also ranked fairly high on the disliked list, which not surprising. not surprising, right? It's probably hard, though, as Zach already brought up. How do you dislike Tebow when he does that wonderful program for special needs children? 
puts on that prom for it's them. Be- and that happens all across America. It's because he's always in the news. Like People are probably just sick of hearing about him. That's, a, that's exactly it. That's what, It has to be that. He's an awesome dude. I'm just sick of hearing about him. Cleveland Cavaliers' Kyrie Irving played only nine uneventful minutes on the roads last Sunday in Oklahoma City against the Thunder. The team originally said that he had flu-like symptoms. Irving revealed revealed later to the media, however, that it had nothing to do with that. He says that it was actually due to bed bugs in his hotel room, which kept him awake and had him itching for much of the night. thought you were going to say having to face Russell Westbrook kept him awake all night. He says that it caused him to be nauseous and left him unable to finish the game. I got like three hours. I mean, it's just a matter of how freaked out you would be if you saw freaking five bed bugs just sitting on your pillow. Like, I woke up itching, and I'm just looking around, and I'm like, Dude, are you serious right now? And it, was, it was 3 a.m., and I was like, oh, I was so tired at that point, so it was whatever. Man. The Skirvin Hilton Hotel has confirmed that bed bugs were indeed found in Irving's room. He says it was like 3 a.m., and he was so tired, so whatever. I'm sorry, but... What? I, <laughs> Get out of there, man. There's bed bugs. It may be 3 a.m. I may be tired, but it's not so whatever. I heard that he spent the rest of the night on a couch in the same room. That I'm not also feeling has that. bed bugs now. The overnight person at the front desk would be... They'd be having a worse <laughs> night than I was because they'd be <laughs> hearing from me. I remember one time... Our flight was canceled after a missions trip, and we're in New York City waiting to come home to Rochester. It's late at night. The airline, they arranged to have some hotel rooms for us so we can get some sleep. So it's after I head up to the room with the guy that I'm going to be sharing the room with, and we open the door, and there's one bed. <laughs> no, 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 no. Back up the track. I don't, I don't think so. You tell me you if, don't want to share a bed with this guy? If I remember, he slept on the floor or maybe on a <laughs> cot or something because he didn't want me losing it to the front desk. I was definitely in a somewhat state of dissatisfaction. He was a better you person than me that Christ night. More than I, you I will tell you he was a better person <laughs> than me that night because I, I was dissatisfied. There was one bed and we were not sharing it, but he opted to sleep on the floor. So good for him. By the way, the same hotel in Oklahoma City is famous for being allegedly haunted. Mm-hmm. The Chicago Bulls are a handful, uh, or among a handful, I should say, of NBA teams who no longer stay at that hotel. One night, Derek Rose and another player say they heard strange bangs and bumps while staying there. The Bulls decided that was enough. Probably just Oklahoma City fans just messing with them. I can't get over Kyrie Irving though. Even if you were dog tired, would you would you stay in a room if no. you knew there nope. had bed bugs? <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Even if it's just as simple as going next door to one of my teammates' rooms and crashing on the couch, right? Or that's something, the easy answer. I'm not staying in a room with bed, any kind of bugs, but especially bed bugs. I will wander the streets of Oklahoma City <laughs> before I sleep in a room with bed bugs. I just it would it would skeeve me out. Coming up later in the program, we are going to talk with Caleb Fabry from Town & Country Pest Solutions, the very fine sponsors of this program. We'll ask Caleb what folks can look for and how they can protect themselves from bed bugs. But it had to happen, though, right, Zach? We all got to see this firsthand, but now the rights to tell the incredible John Scott story have been secured. Mandalay Sports Media has acquired the rights to tell the story of Scott's improbable rise. I mean, he was a journeyman player. And now he's the NHL All-Star MVP. 
That's a remarkable story. Oh, and then the story's not over. you got to include the back to the minors to the team he yeah. plays for again. I mean, the story does seem too fantastic to even make it up. I get a feeling like the, the back to the minors won't make it into the movie. Detroit Free Press sports writer Mitch Album has agreed to write the screenplay. If you're not familiar with Album, uh, he wrote Tuesdays with Maury. He wrote, also wrote The Five People You Meet in Heaven. I'm sure he's got a couple other books. It's reported that Album actually approached Scott with the idea prior to the All-Star game. Lies, shenanigans. There's no way. I don't know. It was a pretty good story, even prior to that. There was a, it was, there was a lot of buildup to it, a lot of press about it. I'm kind of bummed that Mitch Album is writing it, because if it's anything like his other stuff, the movie will be three hours long, and you'll cry through the whole thing. So, <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe I won't see it. Yeah, I can see that. I think you're probably right. Doing a show with a couple women. Scott, by the way, currently with the AHL's St. John's Ice Caps. That is a story that has this, man, what a bell curve, right? Oh, yeah. Journeyman NHL player, traded away prior to the All-Star game. Then you get in it. Who? I, that's, the, that's the thing, Darren. I believe that he talked to Scott before it. Who would have really thought? Would you have waited for him to be MVP? You wouldn't even. No. That's just an added bonus. That's gravy on the potatoes. We're glad you've chosen to join us. We've got lots of stuff to get to coming up later in the program. We're going to play an extended version of Shenanigans. We'll give you our pests of the week and more. First, we have to meet some obligations, though. This is Beyond the Game. Everyone, listen up. We have said it time and time again on this show, and it's never been more true than right now. Our title sponsor, Town & Country Pest Solutions, and we would say this even if they weren't giving us money because they're the best, just not as often. They have a solution for you. Are stink bugs bothering you? Call Town & Country. Are mice or other furry critters using your home as an escape from the cold? Call Town & Country. Do you have bed bugs or know someone that does? Call Town & Country. Their team of extremely knowledgeable professionals will get the job done for you. They will be in and out, inconveniencing you a lot less than those pesky critters have. And unlike some other popular pest control companies in the area, Town & Country Pest Solutions guarantees their work. They also won't make you leave your house for days and weeks. A few hours at the very most is all they need. Don't delay. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. This February, prepare to witness the miracle that changed the world forever. The Nazarene said he'd rise again after three days. Through the eyes of a non-believer. Risen, starring Joseph Fiennes. The tomb is sealed, guarded with your life. The most important manhunt in history was just beginning. The body has vanished. His tomb is empty. What else is it? You tell me. Risen, now playing. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. For tickets and showtimes, go to risen-movie.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Benson, Barletta, and Metzger with you on this final Saturday morning of February. Wow, is it already? Spring is on the way. Man. One of my favorite segments of the program in recent weeks has been shenanigans. I think I like it because we can cover a lot of topics quick, kind of like a hit and move. Yeah, it's fun. So let's do it. Let's do shenanigans, Zach. All right. Let's you, lead carry, it you do the heavy lifting here. All right. Let's lead it off with some football. Aqib Tlaib has been teammates with both Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, and he recently stated that while Brady is a four-time Super Bowl champ, Manning is the greatest of all time. Truth or shenanigans, guys? 
Tlaib is correct because Manning owns so many passing records. Tlaib's a tool. He's just doing this to troll Brady between his intentional eye poke and the move he pulled in the Super Bowl and now this troll job. I couldn't dislike this guy more. Shenanigans, winning is all that matters, and Brady has done that more. I say shenanigans as well. Tom Brady has the titles, but in my opinion, he also has more talent around him than Manning has had. True. Manning's close. I would say Manning, but I haven't forgotten about a man named Montana. That's where I was going with this, too. I call shenanigans because I don't think either of them is the greatest of all time. Peyton's the career leader in passing yards and touchdowns. Brady's got twice as many rings. But honestly, I don't know if either of them measures up to Montana, so I'm not ready to call either of them the greatest of all time. The Yankees recently announced that they'll no longer accept print-at-home tickets, only hard stock or barcodes on your phone. This is a shrewd move that other teams will start to implement around the league. I agree. As with most anything else, if one team has success with something, the other teams will do the same thing. So I guess it depends on if it makes them money and gives them greater control over the distribution of tickets. If it works for the Yankees, everybody else is going to do it. I think it's a combination of truth and shenanigans. I don't know if that's allowed in the game, but I do think some other teams will copy it. You're disqualified. I think other teams will copy it, but I think it's a garbage move on the Yankees' part, and it frustrates me. Yankees COO Lon Troust basically said they don't want the unwashed masses sitting in expensive seats next (laughs) to corporate customers who paid big bucks full price for their seats. It's just further evidence that the people running the Yankees are tone deaf to their fans. Unfortunately, I agree with you. I see this catching on. Even though the reasoning behind it that the Yankees gave is the most elitist garbage I've ever heard in my life, no organization wants the average Joe sitting in premium seats. They're loud, obnoxious, most of the time drunk. And people that pay the big bucks to sit in these seats are usually the opposite of that. And I'm sure they're the ones behind the scenes driving this move by the Yankees. They may not want the average Joe sitting in those seats, but they did win that dodgeball tournament. (laughs) (laughs) That's what counts. (laughs) Sticking with baseball, Pablo Sandoval's arrival at Red Sox spring training was highly anticipated because the team wants him to be in better shape. True or false, players who show up overweight or out of shape should be considered in breach of contract, and teams shouldn't have to pay them. I absolutely agree. I think the players' union would never approve it, but if you show up at work in a physical condition that keeps you from doing your job the way you're paid to do it, your employer shouldn't have to pay you for a production you're not able to provide. It's mind-boggling to me that despite his weight being an issue every season, Sandoval not only doesn't care about it, but even told reporters he doesn't even know what he weighs. (laughs) Before before you answer, Darren, I'm going to jump in and just say, I'm glad my employers don't listen to this program (laughs) based on what Zach just said. That's hateful. I call shenanigans. I realize this isn't the old days of guys using spring training to get in shape. They used to do that. The game's changed, but unless it's expressly written in the player's contract, it's not a breach. These guys can do whatever they want. If their weight is an issue, the team that they're on shouldn't have signed them without putting something in their contract about the weight issues. I say shenanigans as well. Fat lives matter. <laughs> Good luck getting that into a collective bargaining It'll agreement anyway. Perhaps a fine, maybe some other penalty. They don't get donuts when you know the rest <laughs> of the team does. You'll have celery. But if we can have fat, out of shape law enforcement officers, Ooh. we can have Ooh. fat, out of shape third baseman who can hit. Sometimes. Except he can't really hit either. But. <laughs> All right, Johnny Manziel has been in the headlines almost weekly for all the wrong reasons, truth or shenanigans, after last week's announcement that he's at the center of a Dallas police investigation. There's no way Manziel will be on an NFL team next season. Shenanigans, this is the NFL, and 
convicts are always on teams. Someone's going to sign this guy. Everyone always needs a quarterback. And I don't think the ship has sailed on his quarterback playing days yet. I think people want to see what he has. So once all this is over with, he'll be on a team. Um, I agree. I don't think he will be. I said as much a few weeks ago. Unless this cat gets some help, he's currently resisting that, by the way. Mm-hmm. He's going to go the way of Ryan Leaf. Uh, repentance, change is always possible, but it takes a great dose of humility, and it doesn't appear it doesn't appear that he has that. I agree. I think for one thing, there isn't a team that would welcome the Johnny Manziel experience to their locker room. But even more than that, we don't know that Manziel will even be able to play. He, I mean, he allegedly assaulted his girlfriend to the point of rupturing her eardrum with a punch. So there's a decent chance he's going to be suspended a lengthy amount of games by the NFL. Last but not least, new Marlins manager Don Mattingly recently joined Joe Girardi as the second former Yankee to institute a no-facial-hair policy in Miami. It's an outdated rule that's out of touch with today's players. Shenanigans. One doesn't need a rule to show a little class in oneself. It may not be for everyone, but it's not necessarily a bad thing to lose a little individuality to be a part of the team. It works for the military. I agree with the statement, which might be surprising because I'm a Yankee fan, but I just think it's dumb. I don't want the guys on my team looking like the 2004 Red Sox, true, but I kind of feel like facial hair is like tattoos, where a generation ago it was kind of frowned on, and now it's more generally accepted. I just don't think there's that many. Mullets were one time accepted. That's Uh, true. They're still awesome. Don't hate mullets. But I feel like there aren't many fans anymore that would see a ball player with a shaggy beard and think, oh, that guy's a bum. (laughs) Uh, I think Jason Wirth might be considered homeless at times. Uh, It's incredibly out of touch. This is ridiculous. How does not having facial hair make you a better baseball player or better team? And don't point to the Yankees. In today's game, I can name you several franchises that are more successful than they are. 27 is a great number, but unless they've won 27 championships in the last 10 years, I don't want to hear it. It's an outdated rule. Get rid of it. And now it's time for the most awesome thing I saw this week. Everything is awesome. I tweeted it out earlier this week. The San Jose Sharks announced that instead of the all-too-common bobblehead, on March 28th, they plan to give away a Chia Pet, a Chia Pet replica of all-star defenseman Brett Burns. That's right, a Chia Burns. That's awesome. Have you seen it? You saw the tweet I, I sent I out? saw the picture. It is fantastic. But he looks like a wolfman or something with all his hair and You know who couldn't stuff, give so these perfect. away? The Yankees or the Marlins. Terrible policy. Burns is an all-star caliber player, but he is best known for those beards and his long hair that he grows. Did you, I didn't know this. He eventually, when he does cut the hair, he typically donates the hair to charity. See? That's cool. I kind of thought Yankees it might be Marlins like players can't do. You you may recall Burns. He put that Chewbacca on mask. You remember that at the All Star game? At the All Star game. game, yeah, in the skills contest. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Zach, you need to call the Sharks and see if you can <laughs> get your hands on one of these for us. Maybe we can auction it off or something. I'll do what I can. Can you do that? Can you call them seriously? Can yeah. you call them and see if you can get it? Yeah, Chia I'll get Burns in touch with them this weekend. Tell them we talked about it on the show. We we would like to have a Chia Burns. We're not coming to San Jose to get it. Well, I'll go to San Jose they, to get it. Yeah, well, if we'll they want to fly, fly us, us out, out there. there yeah. We'll go. Go to the game. Zach, you and I will go. That's we true. like hockey. <laughs> I love hockey. I don't know what you're talking about. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk with Caleb Fabry about those bed bugs that were 
bothering Kyrie Irving. He's with Town & Country Pest Solution, our very fine sponsor. You're listening to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. The new self-titled album from the Derringers is now available on iTunes and Spotify. With haunting lyrics which reveal the passion behind each song, their harmonies and acoustic styling blend together superbly for a unique sound that feels like home. Download the Derringers today. The five-song EP is just $4.95 and available now on iTunes and Spotify. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Yesterday, Cliff Sora shared a top 10 list of hot fusion restaurants, a vegan gluten-free mashup recipe, and a podcast featuring organic food trends. Oh, TMI? I, too much internet information. That's oversharing. Cliff, Geico has something worth sharing with your friends. Like how on Geico.com you could save hundreds on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim. Gluten-free info that's easy to swallow. Mm-hmm. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to Burger King. Hey, I'm legit hungry. What you guys got on this um, two-for-five deal? How about Burger King's new extra-long fish sandwich? Tender, flaky fish with a light, crispy breading. Just two for five dollars. Extra-long, but still two-for-five. Yep, or you could mix and match with other great sandwiches, like our new extra-long buttery cheeseburger. It's all part of Burger King's two-for-five dollar deal. That's perfect. So perfect, I'm doing a dance back here. The new extra-long fish sandwich, now part of the two-for-five dollar deal, only at Burger King. Limited time only, price of participation vary. Town & Country Pest Solutions is the title sponsor of Beyond the Game. And joining us now on the phone is my friend Caleb Fabry. He's the operations manager at Town & Country. Caleb, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Kyrie Irving missed a good chunk of Sunday's game in Oklahoma City, apparently to what he says was bed bugs in his hotel room, which kept him awake and itching for much of the night and uh, apparently left him nauseous. He only played like nine minutes. So we wanted to get the experts on the phone, and of course that's you. Is nauseousness a side effect of bed bug bites? Have you heard that before? I think that what goes along with the stigma of having bed bugs, especially if you've never had them, is that it just sickens you out. It makes you makes you feel like you're dirty, even though that's not necessarily the case. I mean, he's living proof that bed bugs don't discriminate whether you're wealthy or poor. So. He's never had them before. He woke up with sitting five of them on his pillow. I mean, that would that would gross me out because you're not expecting it. So I can understand his feelings. He did say he saw five bed bugs there on his pillow. Is that just what he saw? Is it ever just five bugs, Caleb? I mean, in a hotel situation, uh, a reputable hotel, most likely it's not an infestation. Now, if it was an apartment or someone was living 24-7, you'd most likely always find more than just five. So. In his situation, I don't think that he probably had a ton to worry about, although that's how people bring him home and then the, the infestation starts. So after six months of having just one bed bug in the population growth, you can have 60,000 nearly in just a six-month period. So he does have to be careful. He, uh, that is part of the reason that it does thicken you out and make you feel nauseous in certain situations because you just don't want these. For the benefit of our listeners, is there anything they can look for as an indication of the presence of bed bugs, whether they're home or, or perhaps when they stay in a hotel when they first walk in the room? Yeah, I guess the sad part about bed bugs is only 20% of people react to the bite. 
So you could go a long time without even knowing that you actually have bedbugs. And what eventually will happen is, is you'll find the evidence of them before you actually see them. And that, that's, uh, the telltale signs on a white mattress are bedbug stains. And, uh, they show up like a little black pen mark. And you, if you take an inspection, you walk all the way around the mattress, you'll see them. You just need a little flashlight. You walk around the mattress, take a good look and look for something that's not supposed to be there. And that can be shells. That could be feces. Uh, and that can be the bed bugs themselves. They're not invisible. You can see them. We're talking with Caleb Fabry. He's the operations manager at Town & Country Pest Solutions, a very generous sponsor of the Beyond the Game program. Americans tend to travel quite a bit. They spend time in hotel rooms and even with family and friends. Are there ways people can protect themselves from unknowingly transporting bed bugs back to their home? I think that you have to be, you have to have a good line of um not being too overcautious because it will make you go nuts going into hotels and, and, and you might not have a good sleep just because of that. But what you should do is the minute you get in, at least do somewhat of an inspection and that's take the sheets off the bed. I know it's really comforting just to walk in and see the hotel room already made and the bed made, but you don't want to bring one home. You don't want to bring an egg home. So what I would, what I do personally and what I tell anybody else to do is to take all the blankets off, all the sheets off and at the very least inspect really good around the mattress, and just look for the signs of them. If you don't, you, ha- you risk bringing them back with you. Uh, if you just don't have the energy or you don't have the ability to do it, when you get home, uh, you take all your clothes out of your bags immediately and put them in the dryer for about 30 minutes, and that'll kill off any insect, any egg, any bed bug, whatever it is. As far as your luggage goes, you could take anything with high heat in it. Heat is in a mosquito spray. Heat or alcohol will kill bed bugs. So if you can spray, it'll kill those on contact. It won't leave a residual, but it'll kill anything on contact. The ball around the zippers, any seams, things like that. Does your company have this service? And, and if you do, is this a good idea? Should people somewhat regularly have you come in and just do an inspection from time to time of their home? I mean, if you travel a lot or you have family members that could possibly have bed bugs or you've heard they do, it's a very good idea to have an inspection done. Um, if you're getting bit or you're feeling itchy in any way, it can be just your mind telling you that. It can be allergic reactions to, to other things in the home, like laundry detergents and things like that. But if you have a good like suspicion that you might have them, definitely have your home inspected. Uh, if you've gone on a trip where you think that that's a possibility that you could have brought them back, I would I would inspect the home and have it done. Now, of course, we love Town & Country Pest Solutions, and not just because you sponsor the show and we appreciate that, but your staff is made up of friendly, knowledgeable people. You've been featured on news shows such as 2020, and your YouTube channel is wildly entertaining. In your opinion, though, what about what is it about Town & Country that sets it apart from other exterminators, and what about your company makes you the most proud? I guess... Um, what I really enjoy about my company is that we hire high character people, high character people with high work ethic. And you really, that's the hardest part that comes along is hiring a town and country because people trust, people need to trust us. They let us into their homes. They leave their homes with us in it. They don't know us from anywhere and we need to be able to put out the best. And so if we're putting out the best, that means we get to work with the best. And I'm not kidding. We have a very unique group of people that work here. We have around 20 employees, and they come in every different personality that you could possibly think of. Uh, they're fun, they're energetic, they're, they've got high character, just good qualities that you want to find. And that is the most difficult part about losing a, an employee here, because 
it's hard to replace them. They they immediately fit in. They enjoy their job. They do a good job. They're thorough. You just can't beat it. Yeah, you know, and I'm not just saying that because it's you, but I know so many people there, and you really do. You have terrific people. Caleb, as long as you're on the phone with us, you are a believer in Christ. In fact, you know, knowing you, I admire your walk with Christ. Can you share your salvation experience? Maybe tell us your testimony, how you first came to know Jesus? Sure. I I um I don't have like any re- like remarkable story or anything, but I I always um I just always chose to do the right thing, and I, I have searched out um, why I believe what I believe, and j- just so that I didn't do what my parents had had done previously. I was saved as a young kid, but I I also that like immediately had an impact on my life, and I decided that I was just gonna make do the right choices, make the right choices, and and live for God, and that's how I've chosen to to carry on with myself and my family. So I I come from a family where my dad was a youth pastor, my mom is a counselor through the church, and she has her own practice. She does uh, Christian counseling as well as uh, secular type counseling for all different kinds of needs. So. I was raised in that environment with two other brothers and both my parents. But I, I, like I said earlier, I, I chose the path and I stuck to it. We've been talking with Caleb Fabry. He's the operations manager at Town & Country Pest Solutions. Caleb, thanks for joining us. And do you think there's an opportunity maybe to be the official exterminator of the NBA? Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> I guess what I'll do is I'll just go out there. One of these teams want to fly me out to do an inspection of all the rooms. Let's get it done. Caleb, thanks again for coming on the show. All right. Thanks for having us. That's Caleb Fabry of Town & Country Pest Solutions. You can give them a call if you're concerned about bed bugs, 585-426-5024, or find them online, townandcountrysolutions.com, servicing all of western New York. Plus, I know they've been down in the New York City area. They get all over because they are good at what they do. You're listening to Beyond the Game, Brought to you by those people we just talked about, Town & Country Pest Solutions. Hey, let me ask you, are you still seeing those pesky stink bugs around your home? Though the weather has been a little milder than normal, if you're still seeing them, it may mean that they found a home with you. Listen, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, and they will take care of the problem. And they'll do it quickly, professionally, and affordably. Seeing too many spiders around the house? Call Town & Country. Other creepy, crawly things move in out of the weather? Call Town & Country. Larger noises coming from the attic, walls, or basement? Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 426-5024. That's 426-5024. And when an emergency rodent or animal control situation finds you, Town & Country is ready to handle whatever pest problem you may have. Remember, Town & Country fears nothing but God. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions at 426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. This is the sound of a University of Phoenix student earning a master's degree. What you don't hear is the courage it took to put goodness on hold for greatness, the sacrifice it took to substitute hobbies for homework, and the fight it took to keep going when settling seemed easy. You don't hear the kids that need attention, the boss that needs reports, the pressure that shapes this student into a success. So next time you look at a University of Phoenix degree, no, it's not as simple as it sounds. And that's why we rise. University of Phoenix. Learn more at phoenix.edu. This February, prepare to witness the miracle that changed the world forever. The Nazarene said he'd rise again after three days. 
through the eyes of a non-believer. Risen, starring Joseph Fiennes. The tomb is sealed. Guarded with your life. The most important manhunt in history was just beginning. The body has vanished. His tomb is empty. What else is You tell me. Risen, now playing. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. For tickets and showtimes, go to risen-movie.com. I'm looking at this article online. They're basically mocking Steph Curry for his shoe and I can do all things written on it. Can't help but think. Some people just need to find a life. If you follow sports for more than a few minutes, it really doesn't take long to realize that high-level athletes, they're very meticulous about their workouts, about their daily routine, perhaps even more meticulous when it comes to their pregame warm-ups. Many are even downright superstitious about it. So with that in mind, it was probably even more impactful this past Wednesday when Steph Curry and the Warriors were in Miami to play the Heat. Curry altered his pregame warm-up to make some time so he could meet a fan who's battling a rare form of brain cancer. A four-year-old from Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls, New York, traveled to Miami for the chance to meet Curry. Curry gave the kid the sneakers that he used in that pregame warm-up, Then he took Sean Kennedy and his brother into the Warriors' locker room so that they could meet some of the other players. Curry's a special cat. Sometimes you have to remind yourself that this is just a 26-year-old young man. He's open about his faith, though he's not Russell Wilson, he's not Tim Tebow, even though some people would like him to be. An article in Western Journalism this week said that one of the reasons Curry wanted to leave his deal with Nike and go to Under Armour was in order to have a platform to share his faith. This was something Nike wasn't willing to go along with. Under Armour and Curry came up with a shoe, the recently released Curry One, which they are promoting with the tagline, Charged by Belief. Inside the tongue it reads, I can do all things. This is what I guess this article is alluding to when they're mocking it. On the outside, on some of the varieties of it, it just says 4.13, referencing Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Curry said it represents a Bible verse I wear on my shoe, adding that it's also my mantra, how I get up for games, and why I play the way I do. Then he said, you don't want to scare people away with this idea that I'm perfect or that you have to be perfect to find that calling. It means a lot to be able to spread that message, whether that's what you believe or whether it helps you find whatever it is that motivates you to do all things. Every time you put on the shoe, it's a good reminder of what's possible. You think of the Apostle Paul, who desired to be all things to all men so he could share the gospel. Much in this way, Curry saying, you know, listen, this is what it means to me. Maybe it's going to mean something different to you, but either way, you're walking around with a shoe that has Philippians 4.13 written on it. You're walking around with a shoe with a Bible verse. He's got a platform to share his faith. The sad thing is some people want to mock him for having that on his shoe, and sadder yet is that some fellow believers want to mock him because he's not doing a good enough job sharing his faith or he's not sharing his faith in the way they want him to share his faith. How discouraging is it that some people say that writing a Bible verse on a shoe is stupid? No, it may not be the platform that you would use, but it doesn't necessarily make it stupid. Some people say that sending a Bible verse through Twitter is stupid or that a sports talk radio program that shares faith-based principles is stupid. It's not stupid just because it's not the way you would do it or not the platform you choose. 
God has created people with different personalities, different skills, gifts which come natural to them. 1 Corinthians 12.27 says, You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Some people, you ever notice, some people have this gift. They're just very comfortable around people, and they naturally get in with conversations. They have this warm, welcoming personality that it doesn't make others uneasy when they're around them. People don't mind talking to them, not even if the discussion goes to faith or politics or other topics which tend to make people tense up. There's those people that they just make other people comfortable. But if that isn't you, you shouldn't be made to feel badly about that. Man, I get so frustrated with the do more, try harder philosophy that seems so easy for people to push. I get motivation. I'm all for it. And I get that I'm a sinner. But beating me up all the time and telling me what filth I am and how I need to do more for the church, how I need to give more to the church and be there every time the doors are open isn't a good balance of grace and truth. Yes, there are some elements of truth there, but constantly telling someone to do more or to try harder, it's just not good advice. The reality is that you can never do enough or try hard enough to make right our sinful condition. If it weren't for the grace and the mercy of God, we'd be lost without hope. So Christian, please stop telling people to do more or to try harder without also talking about the cross. Stop telling them that if they're not a part of everything that's in your Sunday morning church bulletin, then they're not taking their faith seriously. Stop making people feel badly. Be more of an encouragement, not a discouragement. Stop with your foolish conferences and sermons telling people that if they aren't sharing Christ with every single person they walk past in the grocery store, or they aren't singing and raising their hands at every one of your overly repetitive worship choruses, then they're not doing enough. Stop trying to make them hold hands, stand in a circle, and sing Kumbaya. Christian means little Christ, not little whatever your name is. Like I said, I'm all for motivation, but there can be a thousand different reasons for why people don't go to every service you have available at your church. And the answer to every struggle or every difficulty or enhanced spiritual growth is not always more church services or a particular prayer meeting or your small group Bible study. Listen, at the cross, Jesus accomplished it all. He paid the full price. There's nothing we can do to work towards our salvation or acceptance by God, which is why I say doing more and trying harder is not necessarily the answer. You can say those things. You can motivate by those things. But don't forget to bring up the cross. Make it about Jesus. That's the central focus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that nobody can boast. I can do more. I can try harder by telling as many people as I can about the gospel. That's a good thing. But what I have to remember is I can't change their heart. That's something only God can do. And if you do commit your life to Christ, he will change you. And maybe then you will grow in your faith. And maybe you will want to share Christ with every single person in the grocery store. But perhaps just start by telling one person. Just tell somebody in your family. Just tell your closest friend. Steph Curry is comfortable putting his name and a verse on a sneaker. And he's comfortable talking about his faith when he's asked. 
I know a guy who knows him. He says that he talks often with those who are close to him about the things of Christ. And from what I know, he lives his life in an exemplary way. So stop trying to force him into the mold that you want him to fit into. I have a close friend. He knows the plan of salvation. He can probably tell you all the verses, but he doesn't believe it. His heart has not been changed. We were in youth group together. We grew up together. In fact, he was going to pursue a theology degree and become a pastor. But somewhere along the line, he determined he wasn't willing to give his life to Christ. He came to the conclusion that he didn't believe the Bible or the things it said. We're polar opposites, he and I. We have different political beliefs, our lifestyle choices, how we raise our families, what we believe about Jesus. I can't change his heart, no matter how hard I try. All I can really do is first I can pray for him. It all starts with God anyway. I can't do anything for him. However, God can use me to do something for him. God can use me as a possible agent of change in his life. Second, I can live my life as an example of Christ. When the time comes, when, if his heart is softened and he turns to God, I don't want my life to be so hypocritical that it gives him reason to further reject the truths of the Bible. And lastly, I could take advantage of the opportunities to share when they're presented to me. I can't force him into a decision. I can only tell him what I believe, how it has impacted me, and live as though I actually believe what I'm telling him. I can't hold him down or refuse to let him up until he accepts what I believe. I continue to love on him. I have a good time when we're together. We root for the Yankees together. I'm not going to be that guy who turns his back on his friends because we don't believe the same things. Now, that's not to say that I condone his sinful activities or that I share in them. I simply need to trust that God is in control of the situation and that he will work according to his will and in his timing. But God has given my friend a free will to make a decision for himself, just as he has you and I. My doing more, my trying harder is not going to save him from his sins. Only the cross, the grace of God, is able to do that. If you are a believer, though, what I'm saying should not be used as an excuse to not stretch yourself. As Christians, we should always want to be more like Christ each and every day. We should have a growing passion for making disciples. We should have a burden to see people come to know Christ. And we should be willing to push ourselves into doing things for Christ's sake, which perhaps is outside our normal comfort zone. Not because somebody told us we need to do more or try harder, and maybe not even all at once, but instead a steady, continual growth. Maybe you've been afraid to share your faith because you don't know what to say, or maybe you are sharing your faith but nothing's happening, people aren't committing their lives to Christ, you find yourself wondering if you're doing something wrong. Remember, only God, by His Spirit, can open someone's heart to the truth of the gospel. God is not expecting you to be Billy Graham. He's not expecting you to be somebody you're not. He's not expecting Steph Curry to be Tim Tebow. All we're called to do is share, and we should do that as much as is possible. But we should do that prayerfully, and we should do that as God presents opportunities. Now, when I say prayerfully, we should be praying for opportunities. Among Jesus' final words on earth were, Go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Sharing our faith isn't just a suggestion, it's a command. 
but you don't have to teach a Sunday school class, and you don't have to preach on a street corner if you happen to have an intense fear of public speaking. I'll tell you, one of the best ways to share your faith is to live a godly life. Non-Christians often look at Christians as hypocritical because we say one thing and then turn around and do another. Show those close to you that you care for them. Spend time with them. Offer to listen when they have problems. If you're living for Christ, they won't be able to deny the impact that Christ has had in your life. But living godly lives isn't enough. People do need to hear the gospel and know that God loves them, that Christ died for them, and that they can have eternal life. Tell them about God's plan, peace, and life with Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 Talk about the problem. We have a problem. Sin separates us from God. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 But then give them the good news. Tell them about the cross. Tell them about Jesus. God's grace and love repairs that gap of separation. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, he paid the penalty of sin. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. To receive Christ, a person needs to do a couple of things. They need to admit they're a sinner. They need to seek forgiveness from God. Go to God, ask for forgiveness. Be willing to turn away from those sins. That's what it means to die to sin and then live to righteousness. Believe that Christ died for you on that cross and that he rose again, defeating death. The Bible says in Romans 10.13 that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you don't know what to say, here's just a sample. And you can put this in your own words. But all you have to do is say, Dear Lord, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm asking for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again from the dead. And I trust you and I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life. Help me to yield to your will and to trust it in my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. No matter how much you do, no matter how hard you try, you're going to fall short if we don't get to the cross, if we don't talk about Jesus. Telling Steph Curry that he needs to do more with his platform or he needs to try harder, that's not the issue. He'll do as God leads him. If you're listening and you don't know Christ as your Savior, my prayer, my hope is that you would do that today. If God has spoken to your heart and perhaps you prayed that prayer, it would be an encouragement to us if you reached out to us through our website and let us know that. We'd love to pray for you. And Christian, let's not make cookie cutters of ourselves, but let's, let's make disciples of Christ. That's what we're called to do. I'm Rick Benson. I'm so glad you're listening. This is Beyond the Game. February, prepare to witness the miracle that changed the world forever. The Nazarene city rise again after three days. Through the eyes of a non-believer. Risen, starring Joseph Fiennes. The tomb is sealed. 
Guarded with your life. The most important manhunt in history was just beginning. The body has vanished. His tomb is empty. What else is You tell me. Risen. Now playing. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. For tickets and showtimes, go to risen-movie.com. The new self-titled album from the Derringers is now available on iTunes and Spotify. Hills and frontier homes, I smile With haunting lyrics which reveal the passion behind each song, their harmonies and acoustic styling blend together superbly for a unique sound that feels like home. Download the Derringers today. The five-song EP is just $4.95 and available now on iTunes and Spotify. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. We got Darren sitting in, and when Darren's here, we should probably talk some basketball. He's he's our basketball, I want to say expert. but nah, I wouldn't say expert. Yeah, it's hard for me to use expert in your name in the same sentence. <laughs> but he likes it. I pay attention <laughs> but to he basketball. Does, he does. He follows basketball. He follows it pretty closely. And, uh, Zach, you had, in one of our topic ideas, you had mentioned the thought of, the Cleveland Cavaliers and them doing mm-hmm. better after the coaching change as opposed to the way they were under David Blatt? Well, they're kind of the same, to be honest. Like Blatt was 34-11 and 11 this season when he got fired. Hmm. According to reports, now I'm not in the Cavs' locker room, but according to reports, the players respect Tyron Lue more than they respect David Blatt. Like David Blatt wouldn't call out star players, wouldn't want to rewind the film and call out LeBron or Kevin Love or Kyrie. Lue would actually do that. So Lou didn't have a problem calling these guys out, and that actually garnered more respect from those guys, basically what the general consensus is, amongst other problems that Blatt had. Obviously, I'm not in the locker room. Yeah, I have no idea. But part of me questions that. Because if I was going to make a change, this this has got to be LeBron's guy, right? Blatt was never LeBron's guy. No. This is LeBron's team. A lot some of people of the, said that, but I don't know if that's entirely true. Yes, some some of it's got to be true. I mean, you got to keep LeBron James happy. He's one of the best players in the world. Um, but I don't know if that's entirely true. I mean, I think Blatt did a fantastic job given what he was given. He came in to coach a young Kyrie Irving, mentor Wiggins, the rookie, and he was given Kevin Love, LeBron James. This is a very veteran, very star-studded Roster for a rookie head coach, I thought he did fantastic. Eighty-three and forty over the year and a half he was there. It took him to the finals in his first year. He did awesome. Yeah, well, he's got a good team to work with. Exactly, that, that's a lot of it. And if the chemistry isn't there, then the chemistry isn't there, and you need yeah. to make a change. But that was sort of evident right from the beginning, and which is why I'm so surprised the Cavaliers. Man, that was a mess from the start. Mm-hmm. So just fix it early and get out of the situation but rather why? than drag your feet for this. Because I, I don't think you're going to get over the edge. I go back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm-hmm. and Tony Dungy. They were very good, but they weren't going to get over the edge with Dungy. Just, it never had that feel like it was going to go to the next level. They needed a different leader there. That's nothing against Dungy, and it's nothing against the Bucks. It just, to me, it never seemed like the right fit. They brought in Gruden, immediately they won a Super Bowl. Dungy goes to Indianapolis, he wins a Super Bowl. 
it wasn't the personalities, it was the blend of the personalities. So what I'm saying is if Blatt wasn't the ideal fit, rather than fight it and let's just wait and see what happens, let's endure this, they should have made that change right from the beginning. I agree with you. But they didn't. So now you're in this situation where I could see if I'm LeBron James, I would go to the new coach and say, man, call me out a couple of times and, you know, let's build Mm -hmm. this. Let's let the young players know that we're all the same. The thing that I go back to is what Derek Jeter said about the Yankees and specifically about Joe Torre. Joe Torre didn't treat everybody the same, but he treated everybody with respect. Mm-hmm. Big difference. I, yeah. I wouldn't expect LeBron James is definitely going to be treated much better, much differently. I shouldn't say necessarily much better, but much differently than the last guy on the and bench. He should. And he should. And absolutely, you have to keep that guy happy. I agree. I just I don't understand why you do it in the middle of the year when you're 34 and 11 and you're in first in the East. Now, granted, it's the East. It's not nearly as tough as the West is. But this, to me, is just poor timing. And if LeBron did have something to do with it, how does getting a new coach fix the fact that you're shooting 30% on the year outside the paint? Like That was a legitimate stat that was thrown around when Black got fired, that LeBron was shooting th- around 30% from outside the paint. That's horrific. That's not a coaching problem. That's LeBron can't shoot problem. I think when we were first kicking this topic idea around, one of the thoughts that went through my head is it's, it's very hard to see. You you gave us a win loss record of Blatt before. Mm-hmm. What'd you say he was eighty and eighty three and forty and whatever he was. He was. There, yeah. Very difficult to see in a such a unbalanced Eastern Conference mm-hmm. because any coach is going to come in. I you know I could probably come in yeah, and have can. a winning record with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You're in the LeBron Eastern Conference. You're yeah. going to the finals. Mm-hmm. Who in the East is really a threat? Boston's playing well. I will give them that. They're Boston's playing, but are they really a threat for even Cleveland? The, even the Bulls aren't a threat this year. They're no, the Bulls are looking more like a Jimmy Butler being hurt seven showing, or eight seed. Yeah, they're showing just how vulnerable the Bulls are without Jimmy Butler. But I mean, Tyron Lue is not that great of an upgrade in terms of win loss. He's eleven and four at the time we're recording this. They got a game against the Raptors before this show airs, so he's eleven and four right now. That's a very similar win percentage, granted in much less games that Blatt had. The win-loss percentage really isn't changing, so I don't get why you wouldn't at least let Blatt finish it out. Uh, yes, you did get crushed by the Warriors, but they're the best. They, they could possibly be the best team the NBA's ever seen. That's not. A, that's not really a Cavaliers problem. That's the NBA not being as good as the Warriors are. It would seem to me that based on some of the things you see on TV, the mm-hmm. the disrespect. If, and it was. It's yeah, disrespectful was from LeBron and some of the other players. Mm-hmm. How long are you going to allow that to go on? Because it's a, it's a terrible look for your team, for 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 Blatt, for mm-hmm. LeBron, for everybody. So you can only you reach a point where there is look. We got the rest of the season to go through, but it's just time. Yeah. Which is why my go back to my original argument. Why wait to that point if you knew it wasn't a bad fit? And it seems like every, I mean, if you knew it wasn't a good fit, I should say. And it seems like everybody, layman or or professional, knew it was a bad fit. It wasn't a good fit right from the start. I don't know why they didn't get rid of him in the off season. Because, I mean, there was, remember when the, the, the Cavaliers were wrapping up the series against the Hawks? 
uh, to go to the finals last year. And Blatt turns around, he goes to send Tristan Thompson back in the game, who's filling in rather admirably for uh, injured Kevin Love. LeBron actually told Thompson to sit back down and told Blatt to find somebody else. That right there is a huge red flag. That shouldn't happen. Why not just let him go after the season? I don't get this timing. The, the timing of it is what bothers me more than but more than just letting him go. I, I get letting him go. I understand that. But the timing of it is really poor. It seems silly to be talking about this now as that coaching change was made a couple of weeks ago. But at least now we have a body of work from Tyron Lue to sort of compare it to. But it would appear that other than a little increased offensive output, you're looking at about the same win-loss ratio. So maybe it's too early to tell still. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. At the end of every show, we go around give you our pests of the week. We mentioned during last week's show of the recent string of troubles at the University of Tennessee. We'll never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. It came out this week as part of a sworn affidavit associated with the lawsuit by six women against the university that it is alleged that Volunteers head football coach Butch Jones called one of his players a traitor after he helped a woman who claims to have been raped by two other members of the Tennessee football team. Dre Bowles, uh, forgive me if I've mispronounced that a former Vols wide receiver claims that Jones told him he had betrayed the team. He does point out, however, that Jones also called him twice to apologize. Bowles said he broke down and cried over the, this disturbing situation with his coach. He allegedly came to the aid of a woman he was friends with, found her crying, found her hyperventilating in a parking lot after being allegedly sexually assaulted by Tennessee players A.J. Johnson and, and Michael Williams. Bowles helped her make the decision to report the incident. He helped her call an ambulance, but the coach calls him a traitor. Butch Jones is my pest of the week. If it's true, he's my pest of the week. If it's not true, he's still my pest of the week because the program's an absolute mess. My pest of the week, and this could be my pest of the week every week, is Johnny Manziel. You are giving the world, man, millions of dollars, an NFL quarterback, and you are just blowing it, man. I make a good decision. I realize you might have something legitimately wrong going on in your head and you need some help, so accept the help. I mean, you are living the dream, something everybody would love to do. Well, maybe not everyone. You did play for the Browns, but I mean, you're an NFL quarterback. That is that is a dream job, and you're blowing it because you can't make a good decision. Get some help. Get back in the game you love. Make those millions of dollars because you got it made. He's as clumsy as he is stupid. My Pest of the Week is the Montreal Canadiens Twitter account. The Habs reached the 1 million follower mark this week, and to celebrate, their account was set to automatically retweet anyone who used their celebratory hashtag. The problem was, there was no screening process for the Twitter handles that they would retweet, which resulted in the Habs' official Twitter account retweeting Twitter handles such as at I Love Isis, at White Power, some, con- some containing explicit sexual language, and perhaps the worst of all, Go Leafs Go 78. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. Give them a call at 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson and the guys sent you. Thanks for joining us. For Zach, for Darren, I'm Rick Benson, Lord willing. We'll be right back here next week at this very same time. 